spoken word. A taste of Melbourne's diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Welcome to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Waffle Iango. 3CR broadcasts from Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nation, stolen land. We pay respects to elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Our guest today is photographer and writer Alex Mortensen, who is passionate about communicating the lived experience of epilepsy. I caught up with Alex in a local pub to talk about his writing and his anthology. This is Alex Mortensen. So we're sitting in a pub off Sydney Road in Brunswick and today I'm talking to the charming Alex Mortensen, a photographer, poet and he's revealed also an aspiring novelist. Welcome Alex. Thank you. Um, thank you for that extremely flattering um, introduction. Uh, yeah, how are you going today? <laughs> I'm good. It wasn't really flattery, more factual than anything. Um, but congratulations on this beautiful chapbook that you've produced, Neurotransmission. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so I'm Alex. I'm 25, based in Melbourne. Um, uh, I've been working on writing for the last few years now uh, and I have uh, epilepsy uh, and that's I guess that's the, that's the theme of the working of, of my works at the moment um, what, what kind of stuff do you want to know well maybe you can start with telling us about neurotransmission this chapbook that you've just produced um, what it's about and what you want people know, to know about it and where they can get it yeah uh, well neurotransmission is a the first volume is uh, consists of my works. It's just like a short story, some poetry, some photography, um, all exploring my experience with epilepsy so far. It was very much a um, you know using the process to understand my disability. Epilepsy is a very um, confusing experience, and I found uh, during COVID, I started using writing as a way to you know self therapize and you know, just try to get to grips with the world and my, the theme of epilepsy and me having not really addressed it started really becoming obvious and so I decided to try really focus in on that and try to build a healthier relationship with my own body and my experiences um, and so I guess the neurotransmission is a culmination of that and I found it really you know, beneficial and, and kind of vital for me at the time, it really was you know it sounds a little bit exaggerated but a little bit life-saving um and i now want to see other uh, like other people with epilepsy trying to trying to do the same thing and i, I really think it's a a great process and so at the moment I'm, I'm i'm looking and collecting um for other people around the world with epilepsy to and encouraging them to start making art so we can create a dialogue because the um experiences of epilepsy from person to person is so varied and so unique that um, I wouldn't dare to say that my experience is uh, a holistic or uh, authoritative guide for what, that, what, what epilepsy is like. 
it sounds like it's been an important process for you personally to understand as well as to communicate. Um, speaking of communication, we'd love to hear a piece uh, from Neurotransmission if you'd like to share it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I'll start with uh, Um The Boy Cried As He Started To Sink, if that's all right. Um, this is the second piece in the work. Um The Boy Cried As He Started To Sink, Shaking Into Serenity. Sinking ever deeper, shaking ever faster. Um, the boy whispered, as his voice was swiftly stifled, airways flooding with syllabic tides. And as he continued to sink and sink, he did retreating into the recesses. No longer was he merely looking, but looking out, out, from his cerebral watchtower. Um, he sighed as he waited and watched, a silent observer amidst the grand neurotic maleficence that lay waste to his very self. Um, he exhaled, for in a sunken solitude a stoicism was born, a solace, a solace of serenity. So patiently the child waited, never wavering, always watching, until the grand mouth slowly but surely grew tired of its own violent delights and turned back towards the horizon. Um, the boy reminded himself, for he knew, he knew that as surely as it left, it would surely return. Om, he repeated, for he would never forget. But, no, but do not be alarmed, those of you who are privy to his shaking descents. Be merry, for beneath the viscerality to which he has fallen victim lies a realm, a realm of serenity, a realm wherein he and he alone is the master. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, you talked about the writing process beginning as a way of for yourself to understand and come to terms with um, your epilepsy. What did you learn about it from producing this chapbook and writing about it? Um, well, I really, I really learned at first how hard it was to to verbalize the experience and how hard it was to put it down into words. Um, I found that there was a lot about the experience when I was a child because I, I had epilepsy when I was I was having seizures primarily during school. In the beginning of secondary school until about year 10 or 11 and just kind of when I decided to come back and start exploring it and start trying to dive into it memories started flooding back memories that I had forgotten or that I had pushed down and repressed and yeah there were a couple of nights where I just start stream of consciousness writing and all of a sudden I'd be crying and I'd be like whoa I completely forgot about these memories like I completely forgot about these these feelings that I had um, and I was really reconnecting with um, certain moments and almost like reliving that experience temporarily through writing and that was really profound um, and it felt like I was finally accepting my experiences to myself again whereas for a long time because I'd stopped having seizures I haven't had seizures for a long time now, um, and there was a period where I think I just tried to feel like I was normal and tried to deny that I was a person with epilepsy anymore, um, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Um, and so I think, yeah, it was a very much a process of acceptance. From then, it turned from this kind of like negative, scary thing in the past to really seeing how I could turn it into... Uh, a positive force um, and a force for, for empathy and connection with others.
You mentioned uh, perhaps uh, one of my trigger words in in your response before. You said the word normal, as opposed to, uh, in your case, you were saying it in you know in op- opposition to being someone with epilepsy. What does being normal mean to you? Well, I actually probably have a similar relationship to that word that you do, um, because it is that is definitely what what normal means. I find very evasive and very confusing, and so I'm, perhaps I use that there um, subconsciously. But normal for me is less any particular person or uh, any particular way of life, but more it's evidence of how many people's lives and experiences and perspectives have been othered and have been pushed to a margin um, and not given the time of day. Yeah, normal for me actually is kind of a futile word. In, in, in truth, it does. I've never met a normal person, so <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Neither have I, and I thought it was just me. Um, so I think you talked about collaboration and working with people um, in our conversations in the past. You've talked about that as well. Um, I think you mentioned working within a little collective of artists and others um, in uh, looking creating art about epilepsy and, and other neurodivergent experiences as well. Um, tell me more about um, your approach towards you know, collaboration and working with people. Yeah, it's still in its um, infancy and I'm still learning the process. Um, I, 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 I watched a video yesterday but, uh, that had Neil Gaiman saying, when you start out um, trying to do creative work, you have no idea what to do and you have no idea what's possible and impossible. And so I'm still very much on that journey of um, finding out what's possible and, and how it all works and stuff like that. But so far it's just been um, researching online and like trying to find other artists, contacting them and praying that they'll respond and be happy to join. At the moment I've got uh, the this, this second volume for Neurotransmission I'm hoping will be filled with um, a, a series of um, other artists with uh, epilepsy and, and their experiences. I've already got a few artists, one from America, one from WA, um, and a couple from Victoria. Uh, potentially, I heard this from some, someone in Egypt. Um, you know, but I really want to get that uh, global um, kind of feel to show that one, the universality of that ex- of, of this experience, and see what see what's similar in these experiences, and see what these conclusions kind of come from of having epilepsy. Um, but also to show how how varied it can be in its context and how, how, how different that experience can be in terms of like the, the environment you're growing up in. I got really lucky. I, got, I had a lot of support and care from my family and my friends and my school when I was growing up. And so I think I, I, was, I was one of the lucky ones and a lot of people maybe aren't so lucky in that respect when they're dealing with this condition. Yeah, misdiagnosis and uh, lack of understanding from people around you can really lead to some really dangerous, destructive patterns in life. And, and so I guess this neurotransmission and this uh, dialogue with art is a way to try to reveal that, show that to the world, but also to counteract the negative effects that that had. <laughs> yeah. You talked about a call-out. Tell the uh, listeners a little bit more about uh, this call-out for the second volume, the upcoming second volume of neurotransmission, what you're looking for, how they can get in touch. Yeah, so... Um, I've got my, my you, can, you can see through my Instagram, um, 
a.franz.m underscore neurotransmission. Uh, also, I've got a Gmail, neurotransmissionjournal at gmail.com. Um, and I'm accepting uh, submissions until, uh, I believe it's April 12th or 13th. All art forms, any, yeah, any kind of medium or modality. Uh, I don't want to reduce anybody's expression. I think different modes always reveal different aspects of the experience, and that's one of the most kind of interesting, beautiful things, in my opinion. Like, we've got some people that are doing textiles, we've got some people doing like, fine art, uh, some, you know, I, I'm working on prose. If, 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 if anybody you know has epilepsy or if you have epilepsy or if you have experienced it by proxy through a close friend or a family member and you're interested in submitting, please do. Um, you don't need any experience, just a, a willingness to, to explore it. Yeah, I think, I think, that's, I think that's it. Really. You talked about epilepsy by proxy and also the beautiful support you've gotten from your family in school. Um, there is a particular poem in neurotransmission that um, your mother has written a reply to. Um, would you like to read that? For sure. Uh, I'd love to. Uh, yeah, this piece is called We Were Driving Home, You and I. We were driving home, you and I. You cried alone. I sat silently by. More devastated by you than any diagnosis given that day. I'm sorry is all I've ever wanted to say. But my sorrow is not so clean as this, for I am not me without my epilepsy. I'm not me and never could be. Perhaps it is my vanity that stops me for wishing otherwise. But I am me, in form and in thought. I cannot simply regret. And yet to you, and you, and you, I am sorry endlessly, and sometimes I wish I could wish for you not to care, to wish myself could be separate from yourselves, never to be hurt by me, never to hurt for me. Then I could sleep soundly knowing you had something less to worry about. And yet, yes, once more, and yet, I wish, I cannot wish for that either. For I am not me without you, or you, or you. Between these walls I am thrown. Faster, always faster, jaws clicking, eye drying, fists bowling, head sinking, and then for the briefest moment, the walls are gone. I'm floating, escaping existence. And then the nothing is gone, and my breath breathes again. Maybe someday this will change. In the meantime, I'm sorry, always and forever, to you, and you, and you. And then this is my mother's response. Don't be sorry for me and us. Don't be burdened with that. No ominous load. We haven't arrived at a different view of you. You are you, and as you say, you are us. We haven't been hurt by you, but we care, love to care, can't help it. Loving willingly not bound, and not with worry. It doesn't help. No endless apology needed, no need for escape. Accept, accept as we have, and love us without remorse. For we just love you. Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. Call 03-9419-8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Please subscribe to 3CR and help us to keep doing what we do. Today... We're talking to Alex Mortensen about the lived experience of epilepsy and his themed anthology. What was 
your family's relationship with creativity and where did that creative drive you talk about come from do you think um, my family have always been really supportive of creativity my dad uh, was um, trained as an architect and my mom was in the fashion industry in Japan during the 80s and 90s and stuff and so I think both of them have a, a, have a creative inclination um, that just seeps through into my sister and I and my, uh, my sister as well is um, extremely inspiring she's a uh, opera singer uh, and like jazz and soul singer and she since like the age of like you know you know three or four has been just like belting out tunes and just like like you know that she we could just see from the beginning that like that was it um and so i guess almost trying to follow in my youngest sister's footsteps a little bit like oh i want to be creative as well um but yeah i think they just um they saw the importance of creativity and they exposed us to lots of different aspects of creativity from Coolio in the car and Meatloaf to symphonies. <laughs> so I think, yeah, having that breadth was uh, really important. And they were always encouraging with, uh, you know, taking us to choir and extracurricular activities and stuff like that. From Coolio to Meatloaf, I think I can see the diversity of influences in your, <laughs> in your work. What was it like sharing this poem with your mother and then getting her response? It was amazing. I loved it. Uh, I, 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 you know, sometimes I just send works that I've, I think I've finished on to my, to my family to, you know, be like, hey, I've done another piece, you know. And I sent this one off to my mom, and she didn't say anything. She didn't message me, but the next day I had this poem in my email, and uh, we talked about it recently at Christmas, and uh, she was talking about how it just it sounded like it just like came out of her it sounded like it just she just felt like she had to write it and it, it, when i when i read this in response to it it's, if that's what it feels like it feels almost like a, like a mother's compulsion <laughs> just just to tell their kids that she loves them which is um i think what makes it beautiful and I, it makes my poem so much better because mine's like all soppy and angsty and then it creates this rounded like her addition in case it's like rounded family dynamic and understanding how these conflicting perspectives of an experience can compromise and come together and support each other um yeah so I, yeah i really love that well mom you've got a poem in a beautiful chapbook um i think you're officially a poet now i think so as well uh, one thing I wanted to ask um, was this book. It's a, a little book. It's got some beautiful um, graphic drawings on the front, almost organic figures and things, and it's sort of hand-bound. There's something uh, very tactile um, and physical about this. Um, I know that you also work in photography, what do you think the relationship is between the visual and, and words and the spoken word and how you read things? Um, I started doing photography before I started doing poetry, really, and started working and, and writing. That was a hobby and a passion that grew really organically when I was in high school and middle school. I find using different art forms and exploring creativity and exploring the world and different art forms really bolsters my ability to write and really bolsters my ability to approach certain 
certain themes and certain attitudes. Like, like photography, for example, really lets me focus in on settings and really lets me focus in on, on kind of like uh, visual imagery and visual descriptions because um, it, uh, it lets me sit, sit, with the, sit with my environment and sit with really seeing what's going on around me. And so I think it provides me a little more of a focus when I'm trying to work on visual imagery and um, descriptions in my pieces. So I really like that. The photography in this book um, was all work I'd taken before um, I'd written these stories as well. These photos beforehand were just kind of like cool images, in my opinion. I just kind of the th works I'd liked and gone around and taken photos of. And then once I put it with the with the writing, it imbued it with a whole other um, secondary meaning, which I really enjoyed that process. Um, so that was yeah, that was something that was quite recent um, and very very enjoyable so I think something I've got, I'm going to explore a lot more soon I'm very at the, at the precipice of this combination of modalities yeah. do you think there's something about your experience with epilepsy that has impacted your vision or how you see the world or how you approach photography yes definitely the uh, upcoming novel I'm working on is kind of one of the primary things I want to explore is um, how perhaps there is a maybe a natural philosophy or a natural outlook or a natural perspective that people with epilepsy arrive at around about the world. It's a, it's still a theory and it's still a hypothesis and a, a, it's still something I'm trying to test and discover and research. But it's for, for myself the seizures I had I have absent seizures and then I have uh, tonic clonic seizures, which are the falling onto the ground and seizing and I was um, fully conscious for the first few years of those seizures and so that um, that experience what it is really really bizarre um, your your my sense of self is completely sent into just the mind your sense of self is completely removed from the body because you're paralyzed and so you, if, if what I recently I've been saying, if, you, if you've seen Get Out and you've seen that scene where he's kind of sinking into the darkness and he sees the TV screen and he's watching it from like way down in the darkness and his self is just sinking deeper and deeper, that is kind of quite similar to how it feels when I'm, when I'm having a conscious seizure. And at first it's really scary because you're almost trying to fight it and you're trying to gain control and you can't. And, um, you know, that's really, really overwhelming. But uh, once you've had a few and you've gotten used to it, you realize all you can do is wait it out. So you just start thinking. And you just start considering about things. So sometimes it would just be like, oh, what movie am I going to watch later today? And, um, oh, like, look what that person's doing right now. And, and then sometimes, you know, there's, there's one, one time where uh, back in the day, our doctor wanted to get a video of me having a seizure so they could fully diagnose it properly and stuff because it's, it's quite hard to diagnose like specific forms of epilepsy. And I had a... It was my first camera, actually, at the time. It was this DSLR. And uh, there's a red button on it that you can press to, to start the video. But my sister and my mom hadn't been really using this camera, so they didn't know that's what the red button did. They didn't know how to turn the video on. And I was having a seizure. I was on the ground. I was looking up. And it got to the point now where we're so used to it where it wasn't, um, oh, my God, Alex is having a seizure. It was, get the camera. It was, um, <laughs> we got we to we catch this. Um, and so it was, I, was, I, was, I was on the ground, and I was having a seizure. I was looking at my sister and my mom, and I was just watching them fumbling on my camera, not being able to turn it on. And I, I remember for the, in that moment, all I could think was, um, Please, please, just press the red button. Just press the button. <laughs> I had no way to um, communicate that to them. Uh, sorry, this is a bit of a digression. 
I guess to get to get back to the point, your idea of a sense of self, you kind of start realizing that I don't know, you kind of realize the illusion of it a bit. And once you realize the illusion of that sense of self, it leads to a lot of really interesting new ideas and understandings of how other people are and what their behaviors are like and why they have certain behaviors. And it makes you a lot more present, I think. Um, if you if you can deal with it in a healthy way, if you, if you're not, you know, it's you can depersonalize and dissociate, and I've had that experience as well, and that's really intense. But um, when you start trying to accept it and understand it, I think it is, a, um, in my experience, has been something where once I've been able to come to terms with that experience, trying to regain agency over myself and regain agency over my sense of self, and that yeah allows for a very interesting perspective of the world. How do you think the experience of seizure impacts your relationship with this physical body? It's a, it, that's a, that's a really you know great question that you've asked, um, and a, and a really huge one to answer. And it's really kind of one of the reasons why I'm writing these works is to, is to find out the answer to that question. So I find it difficult to find a singular good answer to that question. I find that it makes me appreciate it uh, and value it when I do have control over it. Um, at times, it has made me. Um, this is a bit of a content warning but I almost wish I could have a seizure to feel the disconnection again to get out of my body because I had that experience before and I was almost like pleading to, to go it again so I could validate the insecurities and weird stuff in my mind being like ah and it was, it was a form of escapism almost I, I, I knew that I could escape in that way I could escape from my body and I could escape from the present moment in that way and so I was almost wanting to do it which is you know, a space you don't really want to get to and I'm not in anymore, luckily enough. Um, it has made me realize how fluid and how changing and constantly changing that relationship is. You know, from, from day to day, from hour to hour, my relationship with my body and my relationship with, with epilepsy changes a lot. And just kind of uh, recognizing that it's a crazy, weird journey to, to realize that you have this constantly changing sense of self and it's not, it's not static, it's extremely dynamic. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of a sense of body, I think that there was a poem that you wanted to finish with that was about dancing? Yes. Yeah, dance with me. No more a body of my own. To dance is to feel. Now merely a body that I loan and to move that feeling. Thick-tongued to feel that movement, slurred spluttering, that moment, a body into which I am thrown, the movement in that moment, a body severely unknown, a body into which I now sink. No, mine is not a waltz, a body that refuses to think, nor a jive or a tango or a tap, spit trickling down, but it is felt, saliva drowning out, in that moment of movement, my pleas for help, each movement, each moment, my pleads and yelps, each motion shake, bleeding, shake into the next, iris is forced forward, eyes forced open. My dance is not tragic, a reality I am forcefully shown, far from it is ringing an orchestra of gurgling tones, it is filled, fueled the room, flooding with panic, energy and scare, your body is coursing with vitality, worry and care, and vigor, worry and care like no other. Stop the noise, do not fear my dance, stop the noise, do not doubt its rhythm, please, embrace it, enjoy it even, just let me lie, I will not stop. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Alex Mortensen. Um, please um, tell the readers where they can get a copy of Neurotransmission, and maybe you can um, repeat um, your call out for uh, submissions. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, well, thank you so much for having me, first of all. It's been fantastic. You can get my uh, new new, tra- new Transmission Volume 1 on Instagram. They've got a website there. Um, or you can go straight to the website, uh, friendsphotography.bigcartel.com. Uh, or it's available in some bookstores at the moment, Paperback Bookshop on Burke Street and Brunswick Bound on Sydney Road and hopefully more soon. Also, call-outs at the moment for Volume 2. Any art form, any modality, any amount of experience, I just want to hear from you and try to start an amazing conversation. Please tell your friends, tell your family about it, and uh, you can submit works to uh, to my Instagram, a.friends.m uh, underscore neurotransmission, or to uh, my Gmail, neurotransmissionjournal at gmail.com. Thank you. Just to make that a little clearer for the listeners, um, the Instagram is a.franz, F-R-A-N-Z, dot M, M underscore neurotransmission, uh, and the email address was neurotransmission journal, J-O-U-R-N-A-L, at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. This has been Spoken Word Show on 3CR, coming to you every Thursday at 9am from 855am or www.3cr.org.au where you can find us in podcast form. Our guest today has been Alex Mortensen. Please contact him or look out for the anthology. Thank you for listening. 